Hello and welcome to Million Dollar Monday. I'm your host, Greg Mazzello, bringing you real successful people with real useful advice for people with big dreams. I understand big dreams. I turned an investment of $200 and a lot of great advice from some really successful people into my big dream, Proforma, that today is a half billion dollar company. Well, hello and welcome. I am very excited and interested in talking to our guest today. Uh, She is a serial entrepreneur and an investor in startups. She has founded eight companies and three of which have had exits in the multi-million dollar range. Uh, She is now the CEO and founder of a company called Gromotely. uh, That's the world's first platform to help companies engage remote professionals uh, all around the world into long-term remote roles. Welcome, Sarah Hawley. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. All right. Let's start at the beginning because I think everybody already knows by now you're from Australia. So let's start <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Tell us about your growing up years just briefly and what was it that led you to a love for business and also led you to the United States of America? Mm, it's a big question, but I will okay. go as 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 quick as I can on that. I think it's very interesting to look back um, and observe one's childhood from you know, the place where we're at, where, where we find ourselves right now. But I did actually always have like little businesses. I was always obsessed with creating stalls out the front of my house and we would either make things or sometimes I would just steal the groceries out of the fridge and sell them on the street. Like I was doing all sorts of things. And what ended up happening was I started working with my dad in, a, in our family business uh, when I was 19, off and on for a bunch of years, um, I was studying IT. I was traveling a lot. And whenever I was in Australia, I would go do admin work or what have you in the business. And then I got really curious about the business and what do we actually do here? And I would, I'm a very innately curious person. I've always been a the kind of person who needs to know why something is the way it is. Um, what's the entire picture here? Why are we even doing these things? So, you know, I'd ask all these questions to my dad and he was explaining to me financial planning, which is what the business was. And then he would explain to me business and how the whole business operated and uh-huh. how we made money and all of that kind of thing. And, you know, very quickly, I fell in love with both aspects. I fell in love with financial planning and that was where my career started. I, I loved the ability to use kind of creativity and problem solving, which were two of my strengths. And I think that's really what you're doing um, with financial planning and and the fact that I was helping people to create the lives that they wanted. Uh, but at the same time, I was falling in love with business. And um, at one point, I was about 25. Um, my dad became really unwell with a thing called Ross River fever, which is a mosquito-borne virus. And it sort of took him out for about 18 months. Um, and I just naturally stepped into running the business to paying the bills and doing the bookkeeping and, you know, the operations and these other elements of the business that I hadn't yet been, been doing. And I remember when he came back after the year and a half off, he was like, wow, this is amazing. Like there's no mail here for me that the bills have been paid. Like everything's pretty much been taken care of. Um, And that was a big confidence booster, obviously for me to hear that from my dad, but 
that period of my life really showed me like, wow, I have what it takes to run a business. Like I could do this and I actually love it. Like I love it more than financial planning. I love the business element and aspect. And once again, mm-hmm. it, it, it also is creativity and problem solving. Talk, tell us just briefly, what did some of those businesses do, especially the successful ones that you exited for multi-millions uh, each? And then what led you to founding Growmotely? Yeah, they were all financial planning businesses. So I built and scaled three financial planning businesses. One was a kind of traditional private wealth management firm for retirees, pre-retirees, high net worths, mainly focused around managing their investment portfolios and things. The other was an insurance brokerage, life insurance and such. And then the third one was Australia's first millennial focused financial advisory firm. So that one I was very passionate about figuring out how to give really good quality advice to high-performing, high-achieving millennials. Um, So all of those businesses I kind of built and scaled and sold. And then there's other businesses that are still running, like the League of Extraordinary Women, which is a community for female entrepreneurs. I'm no longer active in that business, but I'm still a shareholder. Um, I had some, I wrote a book actually back in 2013 called Get Rich Slow. I created an online program um, for, that was kind of to do with the, I, I create, turned the book into a course essentially. So that was a little business that ended up merging into Wealth Enhancers, the millennial financial planning business. We had a, an online accounting company called We Love Numbers that we started um, when there's a, there's a software out there called Zero. People might be familiar with it. Um, it's a, a bookkeeping accounting software. And we created a business around that to deliver online um, bookkeeping solutions to businesses that company we actually decided to fail Um, so we grew really quickly didn't have the strategy right we were suffering founder burnout myself and my ex-husband who was a partner with me in that business so that was one of our kind of we decided to close that business down we didn't have the energy to stick with it and get it right Um, and then so just to kind of wrap up and and come to where we are now In 2014, after being in business for five-ish years at that point, I was feeling like I'm not living the life that I thought I would live as an entrepreneur. I'm not as free as I wanted to be. I was finding myself going into my office really early in the morning, staying till really late at night, working really long days, really, really busy, um, and also dealing with a lot of stuff that wasn't really to do with my business. It was to do with like people in the office and making sure the office is running smoothly and I, I was missing travel um, at the velocity that I would have liked to travel. I also wanted to move to the US. And so I decided at that point to turn all of my companies remote, which in 2014 in service businesses, like professional services, like financial planning, that was very unusual. And most yeah. people obviously were telling me, you can't do that. Like people won't take you seriously. Um, financial planning has to be done in an office. And I just, I mean that's part of my personality is if anyone ever tells me I can't do something, I think, well, I'll just go and do it and show you. Well, watch me go. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was just the fuel I needed, I think. So by the way, you shared really a very important lesson for all entrepreneurs. And that is sometimes it's best to just cut and run. There's no shame in that. I think some people just hang in there too long thinking there's shame in it or thinking they don't have another idea or thinking they got to make a go of this one and they pour too much money into it. They 
pour too much time and energy into it. And sometimes they lose the opportunity to even be able to start another business. So that was a great lesson that you shared. Uh, sorry for interrupting, but so get us to, uh, you got to the United States, get us to how you founded and where the idea for Grow Motely came from. 2014, um, turned all the companies remote and I moved to Sydney, which is I'm from Melbourne in Australia. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, instead of moving to the US, I'll move an hour flight away and just see how it goes, like starting to be remote, but like not being Mm -hmm. too far away from where my core team was. Um, And at the same time, I started opening up to hiring people in different parts of the world, not just in Australia. I hired my financial controller. She happened to be in the Philippines. She was unbelievable. And I was like, well, this is really fun and exciting. Like I can hire people anywhere. They don't have to just be Mm -hmm. in my same city now. But I didn't know how to do that. I was, I mean, I knew how to, but it was, it was hard. It was complicated. I didn't have a lot of time. How do I find all these people? So as I said earlier in the, in the uh, chat, um, starting a business out of a problem that you have, I founded a company called Grow My Team, which was a remote recruitment company. And it was a side project. I founded it with Four, three other founders, there was four of us, and we all used it to do the recruitment for our own businesses, the global recruitment. And we never really grew the company. We kind of just let it sit there doing its thing. And we had some clients, but we weren't massively pushing it. We had a general manager in there. Um, but that was really what opened me up to the world of remote work. So fast forward a couple of years later, 2016, I finally moved to the US. Everything's amazing. Life's just getting better and better for me and for my team because we all have this freedom now to live and create our days however we want them the company actually grew a lot in that time so all the people that said you wouldn't be able to do it we we really um doubled our revenue in 2016 for example i remember so we were having some really great growth moments there as well um and then by 2018 i i had separated from my husband who i ran a lot of my businesses with um in 2017 and I was starting to get a bit burnt out of financial planning. It became a very heavily regulated compliance focused industry. And I was finding it it felt like we were spending 80% of the energy of our business doing compliance and 20% doing what we loved, which was helping people. And that was just starting to kind of be a bit of a buzzkill for me. And I felt like maybe it was time for something else. So I sold out of all of the financial planning companies. I think I'd already sold one at that time, sold the second one in 2016, and then the final one in 2018, and did a bit of soul searching from that point of like, what do I want to be next? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do next? And, and to be totally transparent, I had a breakdown at that time because it was very intense to let go of you know, my identity, 17 years in finance, the success that I'd had was wonderful, but I had stories and doubt coming up at that time of like, maybe it was just a fluke, or maybe I can only be successful in financial planning. Like if I want to try and do something different, what if I'm not able to, to do it? So it was a really challenging time. And it was, it was about three, three or four months, I think. So it wasn't really that long in the end, but I think for those of us who are entrepreneurs it's hard to sit still and it's hard to just do nothing Um, and so January 2019 I decided to buy out all of the partners in the in grow my team the remote staffing company and go into that because remote work had given me so much I felt so passionate about it and Mm -hmm. I thought there's a huge opportunity in the next 10 years or so people are going to open up to remote work a lot more obviously I had no idea COVID was coming but I intuitively just felt as though 
you know, the world's got to be moving in this mm-hmm. direction. <laughs> what great timing to be empowering uh, remote workers in remote roles. Tell us a little bit more about how Gromotely does that. What What is the functionality of Gromotely? Mm-hmm. Well, Gromotely is a community and a platform that allows any company anywhere in the world to hire any individual anywhere in the world. So it's really mm-hmm. just opening up the world of work um, truly into a global marketplace, a global place. Um, but unlike a freelancer marketplace, which has existed for the last 10 years, this is for permanent ongoing roles where you're joining a team and being part of a company and, and as a company where you're hiring and building um, your team, your core team that are going to be with you on the journey. So, And we handle contracts and payroll and all of that. Got it, got it, got it. So for an organization that wants to have an employees in another country primarily, with all of the complications that might come with it and all the compliance issues, tax issues and more, at the end of the day, you help find those people, um, bring them on board to the organization uh, that contracts you, but you handle all those headaches that mm-hmm. the company wants to avoid. Is that a fair way to yeah, say it? Exactly. Yeah. And then on top mm-hmm. of that, we have kind of a community behind the scenes where everybody gets to network and socialize together. And we ah. do a lot of ongoing training and development and um, opportunities for people's team members to grow and evolve as people and as professionals. Um, we're really focused on helping the small to medium business clients. So the customers that wouldn't necessarily have enough scope to have a whole entire HR people development department. So we really, through technology and some services, we deliver all of that for a small to medium business that's remote and global. One of the things I really loved on when I was doing some research on LinkedIn, and there's there's an, a lot of entries for from this date to this date, you did this, and from this date to this date, you did that. One of the things I loved the most was on March the 20, 2021, um, you became co-creator <laughs> of Baby Luca. <laughs> Yeah, my <laughs> <little> boy. <laughs> uh, I love that. I love it because it's all it's all a part of who we are, um, especially for women to be moms and CEOs um, and entrepreneurs. All right. And, and yeah, I put yeah. that in there as a as a bit of an homage to all of the women who have juggled and continue to juggle being a mom um, and being an entrepreneur or a professional, whatever it is that you do. And and that. It is work, but we also get to be both, you know, and I think that's amazing. Like I don't want to give up being a founder and a CEO and hats off if somebody does, but all of it should be recognized. And the same goes for for dads as well. But yeah, I just really wanted to, a bit of a shout out (laughs) to all the women out there who are doing it all. I think so, especially because I talked to uh, a lady entrepreneur, woman entrepreneur, not that long ago, who actually had written a book too. And um, she said, you know, for fathers that start their own business, for dads um, who were raised in a more traditional kind of home, dads sometimes feel like they're twice the dad that their father was because they run their own business. They can be available for the children, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Whereas she said, moms sometimes feel like half the mom because they're not home or present all the time for the kids, for the ch- children. And that's too bad because uh, a mom should also feel like, I think twice the mom because they're giving great uh, experience um, and example to their children. 
Yeah, I read a really amazing article about a month or so after Luca was born and I was definitely in a phase and I think it's it's part of our physiology and our biology where all I cared about was him and I was like, who even cares about this company? It doesn't even matter. Like, he's my life. He's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the hormones and everything that kicks in to make sure we keep them alive when they're so, so dependent on us. Absolutely. Um, but I read this beautiful article that talked about the way many parents, as soon as they have a child, they give up on their own dreams and they say, okay, I'm going to put everything into my kid. I want to help my kid or my kids Mm -hmm. be the best and everything they can be. But really the example we're showing them is sacrificing self for others and giving up on things and not realizing that in all of that sacrifice that's coming from this amazing place, we're actually modeling something that we don't want them to become. And for us to to actually step into our fullest potential and our most expanded state is actually the model we want to create for our children. And that really resonated with me because I am an entrepreneur, a CEO and a founder through and through. I love it. It fills me up. It gives me so much. And I want to show my son an example of me being everything I can be. It doesn't mean he needs to be an entrepreneur. He'll be whatever he wants to be, but I want him to watch his mum and dad reach their fullest potential as an example for him. Of course. All right. So you have founded and invested in many businesses. Um, you're currently running a well-funded almost $2 million already in, in uh, seed rounds of investment uh, in a business that's getting ready and is, is already scaling. Share with us one or two of the biggest mistakes you made and what lessons you learned from them. And then we'll ask you the same thing about a couple of the really great things that you did and the lessons you learned from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting to try and distill it down to two mistakes. I feel like being an entrepreneur is sort of like constant. (laughs) Oh, we don't have all day. A few every day, yeah. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I think, I just wrote a book, Conscious Leadership, and it it tracks my journey as a leader. And Mm -hmm. I think if I could sum that up, the mistakes or the challenge that I've Mm -hmm. found and experienced in being a leader in my first five years was rather than getting to know myself and who I really was and how Mm -hmm. I could show up for my team in, in my most authentic, integral self, I was reading all these books and doing what everybody else told me to do. Um, and, and that was a mistake, you know, not trusting myself and who I am and the way that I interact and relate and make connections. I was, you know, I'd read one book that said, don't ever hire a friend. Don't ever be friends with anyone you work with. So I'd be like, oh my God, okay, I got to do that. Next thing, you know, I read something, the total opposite and I'm trying to do the opposite thing. And I was, I was very much like getting this information from the outside and I had a really rough time. Like the first five years trying to be a leader was very hard. I, I found it very, um, I took things very personally. Uh, So, you know, whenever somebody would quit or something would not, you know, work out with someone on my team, I would take that very personally. Um, And I found it really difficult. It would always be confronting. I'd be emotional. And I think the more that I did my own work on myself as an individual and started to get to know myself and trust myself and my style, um, things just really opened yeah. up and became, you know, in such, such a more expansive I way. So it's it. kind of a, a bigger summary, but like that was a big, big learning for me. I love it. And it's a valuable lesson. Trust your gut. And, um, but tell us and about. Just, uh, and just learn to fil- yeah. filter that advice. Like 
you yeah. can go and receive advice. It's amazing, but it might not be right for you. No. So just tr- that's that's it as well. Absolutely. Trusting your gut on the things that come in and things that people might give you that's brilliant advice for somebody else, but it may not be brilliant for you and that's okay. And probably in the early phase, you can relate to this. I, I know Sarah and I, and I can too. We always look for affirmation. Yeah, that's a great idea, right? We all want somebody and because we have an idea. We think it's probably right. But we ask people, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And first of all, we're asking the wrong people who have to, don't necessarily even have a clue what we're talking about. So they don't even understand the problem or the opportunity. Number two, there are some people, I think, that are intimidated by successful people and don't necessarily want to see their neighbor, their friend, or their family member be wildly successful and pull in the driveway someday in a Rolls Royce, right? So mm-hmm. um, I just think sometimes people unwittingly, right, unconsciously kind yeah. of maybe give the wrong advice because they themselves are challenged. And we could talk all day about the things we did did wrong uh, or could have done better or the challenges that we faced because that's what our world is full of entrepreneurs is overcoming those no matter what having the grit and the tenacity to overcome those things. Uh, We all have, I say, a very expensive MBA um, in business through all of the mistakes that we made. In fact, I know you have a master's degree in entrepreneurial masters from MIT, which is impressive in and of itself. Um, So anyhow, all right, let's talk about a few of the big wins, a few of the big successes. And what lessons as we start wrapping up our time together do you want to share with our listeners? Well, interestingly, you know, my big wins are almost the flip of the big losses. It's been when I've really listened and trusted my intuition and my gut knowing, even when it hasn't always made sense. Um, So one of them has been remotely, you know, I just told the story very quickly about how it all came about. But, you know, part of that story was I bought out three founders from that um, original company. The company was in debt. It wasn't growing. It made zero sense for me to buy that company and, and take it. They just you know, we, we did the deal we did and I took it on and it, it made no sense at the time, but there was something in me just saying, this is it. This is the thing. There's something here and I don't know what it is and I don't need to know. Um, and it's led me to where I am now, which is working on a multi-billion dollar opportunity. And I'm going to list this company on the stock exchange and reach my fullest potential as entrepreneur. If I hadn't have trusted myself to make that weird decision I did back at the start of 2019, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So you know, and I, and I had another situation like that in uh, about 2016 or 17, it was with the financial planning company. We'd been stuck for a while. We weren't really growing. And all of a sudden I thought, what do young financial planners want? They want something similar to what I want. They want freedom. They want flexibility and they want to feel a little bit entrepreneurial, but at the same time feel supported. And it just dawned on me one day and I came up with a new way of paying them that was very different to the way financial planners were paid in the Australian market at the time, which is where my company was based. You know, in the Australian market at the time, they were paid pretty hefty base salaries, 150-ish thousand with these bonuses based on what they did. Um, But I thought, I wonder if people would work for a revenue share, like a fee share model instead. Mm. So zero base, we completely split the fees um, we provide all of the backend support and they can literally do whatever they want. They can build as big or a smaller client book as they want. And that was the decision. And it went against everything. And everybody was like, that's so dumb. You can't do that. No one will work for you for that. 
And I trusted myself and we increased our revenue. That was the year that we doubled our revenue um, by by putting that strategy in place. And our people were super happy. They loved it because I was intuitively right. So for me, it's been when I feel that strong conviction, even if I don't have all of the you know, puzzle pieces in place in my mind, but intuitively in my heart and soul, I, I feel like, oh, this is, there's something here. I've learned to really trust that and don't worry about what anybody else says and how much it doesn't make sense. It doesn't need to make sense to them. Although you've shown the ability to also cut your losses and stop the mistakes, right? So I, I have loved our time together and I have no doubt you're going to be wildly successful. And I'm going to tell you what you said that convinced me. You said, I am going to be on the stock exchange. You didn't say, I'm going to try. You didn't say, I hope to. You said with conviction, I didn't hear a shred of doubt in your voice. I am going to. And I think many times that's what really separates wildly successful people from people who use words like, well, I'm going to try. Well, try has failure built right into it. And, 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 uh, I hope I can, has failure built right into it, but I am going to. I love it. I have no doubt you're going to. And Sarah Hawley, it's been a wonderful time uh, being with you here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thanks so much for having me.